Hey everyone, this is 30 Day Trek. I'm your host, Lucanant, and in this episode, we are discussing what is generally considered to be the best of the TNG Trek films, Star Trek First Contact. This is the one where, aboard the new NCC-1701E, the Enterprise has to go back in time to April 4th, 2063, in order to prevent the Borg, who have also gone back in time, from stopping Zephyrin Cochran, the man who invented the first warp drive, from doing his historic test flight that led to first contact between humans and the Vulcans. As Riker, Jordy, and Deanna are in Bozeman, Montana, as they help Cochran fix his ship and fulfill his destiny, Picard, Worf, and Beverly are aboard the Enterprise, which is slowly being taken over by the Borg, who have also captured Data since he had locked out the ship's computer. Alongside Picard is Lily, Cochrane's second-in-command, who goes from being the outsider audience surrogate character, who the backstory gets explained to, to the only person who is willing to stand up to Picard when he refuses to destroy the ship when it becomes the only option left in defeating the Borg. This leads to a confrontation that is without a doubt one of the best moments in all of the Trek films. You son of a bitch. This really isn't the time. Okay, I don't know Jack about the 24th century, but everybody out there thinks that staying here and fighting the Borg is suicide. They're just afraid to come in here and say it. The crew is accustomed to following my orders. They're probably accustomed to your orders making sense. None of them understand the Borg as I do. No one does. No one can. What is that supposed to mean? Six years ago, they assimilated me into their collective. I had their cybernetic devices implanted throughout my body. I was linked to the hive mind. Every trace of individuality erased. I was one of them. So you can imagine, my dear, I have a somewhat unique perspective on the Borg, and I know how to fight them. If you will excuse me, I have work to do. I'm such an idiot. It's so simple. The Borg hurt you, and now you're going to hurt them back. In my century, we don't succumb to revenge. We have a more evolved sensibility. Bullshit! I saw the look on your face when you shot those Borg on the holodeck. You were almost enjoying it. Oh, come on, Captain. You're not the first man to get a thrill from murdering someone. I see it all the time. Get out! Off what? You'll kill me? Like you killed Ensign Lynch? There was no way to save him. You didn't even try. Where was your involved sensibility then? I don't have time for this. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your little quest. Captain Ahab has to go hunt his whale. You do have books in the 24th century. This is not about revenge. Liar! This is about saving the future of humanity! Jean-Luc, blow up the damn ship! No! No! I will not sacrifice the Enterprise. We've made too many compromises already, too many retreats. They invade our space, and we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds, and we fall back. Not again. The line must be drawn here! This far, no farther! 
I will make them pay for what they've done. Broke your little ships. See you around, Ahab. And he piled on the whale's white helm the sum of all the rage and hate felt by his whole race. If his chest had been a cannon, would have shot his heart upon it. What? Bobby Dick. Actually, I never read it. Ahab spent years hunting the white whale that crippled him. A quest for vengeance. But... In the end, it destroyed him and his ship. I guess he didn't know when to quit. Prepare to evacuate the Enterprise. Star Trek First Contact was the first Star Trek film I saw on the big screen. It was in January of 1997 at the movie theater in the nearby town of Gravelberg. While I vaguely remember watching the All Good Things series finale and being confused by it, I definitely remember sitting in that theater, which my family and I had gone to a lot growing up, and that scene in particular. And even at 11 years old, I remember that scene impacting me far more than any of the other action sequences that came either before or after. And to this day, that scene is a touchstone for me. It's a scene that I always reference and would love to do with a specific actor in the future one day on my other podcast. And as to why the scene is so powerful, I'll get to that later. Compared to the long and protracted development of Star Trek Generations, the development of First Contact was a lot easier. Rick Berman wanted to do a time travel film, Ronald D. Moore and Brown and Braga wanted to bring back the Borg, and they decided on the spot to do both. And after considering different time periods such as the Roman Empire and the Renaissance, with Data interacting with Leonardo da Vinci himself, they decided to flesh out the Star Trek past and explore the period post-World War III and the moment when humanity pulled itself out of its downward spiral and took its first step into the Star Trek future. Although considering that this is the film that brought the overreaching plot of the Federation and Picard vs. the Borg to a head, there was an earlier draft where Picard and Riker's roles were reversed. That Riker was going to be fighting the Borg on the Enterprise, while Picard was going to be in Bozeman, Montana, rallying the people there to help finish building Cochrane's ship. And while they quickly realized that this shouldn't be the case, somehow this early draft got into the hands of Mad Magazine and used it as the basis for their film parody. That issue has to be a collection 
collector's item, because this is probably the only time that Mag Magazine has made fun of a version of a film that doesn't exist. Another funny thing to consider when hearing about alternate versions of this film was that the role of Zephyrin Cochran, who was being reintroduced here after his one appearance in the original series in the episode Metamorphosis, was originally going to be played by Tom Hanks, who at this point was at the peak of his career coming off his back-to-back Oscar wins and blockbuster A-list ascendancy. And as a lifelong trekker, this would have been a dream come true for him. But there was a scheduling conflict as he was about to direct his first film, That Thing You Do, so he had to bow out. Which, in retrospect, was for the best. Just like the version of Star Trek IV The Voyage Home that would have had Eddie Murphy in it, Tom Hanks would have overshadowed our cast and the film would have been turned into another star vehicle for him. So instead, they went with James Cromwell, who already had experience with Star Trek. It's fascinating to see him go from a working character actor who showed up on two separate TNG episodes and a DS9 episode to not a box office draw, but a recognizable name actor. This came between his Oscar-nominated star turn as Farmer Hoggett in Babe and as the corrupt Captain Dudley Smith in LA Confidential. He was also in Species 2, but we won't hold that against him. And here, he once again gets to shine as we, along with the Enterprise crew, discover that the person that they've idolized as the man who created the warp job made first contact with the Vulcans and helped give birth to the Federation is a womanizing drunk who only created the warp drive in order to sell the technology to the highest bidder, become obscenely rich, and spend the rest of his life naked on a beach surrounded by women. Some people are born great, and others have greatness thrust upon them. And in Cochrane's case, it is very much the latter. And Cromwell plays being a deeply flawed capitalist drunk whose invention ends up giving birth to a socialist utopia really well. He balances being the goofy drunk with the weight of a man who has to reconcile with what he's about to do and his place in history, which is conveyed effectively in both the scene with him, Riker, and Geordi in the cockpit of the Phoenix, and in the final scene of the titular first contact. It's a truly beautiful moment on so many levels, one of which is metatextually. David Gerald, the writer who wrote The Trouble with Tribbles, had the best quote when it came to Gene Roddenberry. Some people want to put Gene on a pedestal, and other people want to throw him under a bus. Neither of this is accurate. And when one reads into who Gene was as a person, one sees a deeply, deeply flawed individual. If Wesley Crusher is who Gene saw himself as, then Zephram Cochran is who Gene really was. But knowing how this flawed individual still have faith in humanity and create something bigger than himself that has endured for over half a century, it really is touching when we see Cochran try the Vulcan salute, can't quite get it, and then instead reach out his hand to shake the Vulcans. And as for the rest of the new cast, Alfred Woodward as Lily was their one and only choice for the role, and as you heard in the clip, she knocks it out of the park. Alice Creech was effective as the Borg Queen. While I get the criticism of the fans and that giving the Borg a figurehead and leader undercuts the monolithic scariness of the Borg, I'm willing to give this development of the Borg a pass, since she played being the devil on Data's shoulder very well. I also want to give a shout out to both Neil McDonough in one of the early roles in his career as Lieutenant Hawk, and to Adam Scott as the ensign aboard the Defiant who gets the trailer line of, Sir, it's the Enterprise! 
Seeing as how he would go on to play the geeky Ben Wyatt in Parks and Recreation, this was a cute little future cameo. And speaking of cameos, among the later Trek films, First Contact was the ultimate crossover film, with both the Defiant from Deep Space Nine showing up in the first space battle and thus bringing Worf back since at the time he was on Deep Space Nine, to fan-favorite Reginald Barclay in a quick scene on Earth, to Robert Picardo showing up as a doctor, not the doctor from Voyager as well as an uncredited appearance from Ethan Phillips as a maitre d' in the Dixon Hill holodeck sequence. It's funny people complaining nowadays about the MCU and how everyone's trying to get shared cinematic universes off the ground, when Star Trek was already doing this back in the 90s, and this film would get mined later down the road in some of the better episodes of Enterprise, one of which we'll get to later. But getting back to the main plot of Picard vs. the Borg, this film was the culmination of the loose arc of episodes that dealt with Picard and the Borg. It's interesting to think that even though the Borg ended up becoming the defining villains of the next generation, they only appeared in six episodes. And when we think of the Borg, we think of them more from First Contact than we do Q-Who, The Best of Both Worlds two-parter, and I, Borg. One criticism of the film from fans that was always baffling to hear was that Picard never showed this much hatred and obsession towards the Borg before. I can only guess that they never saw I, Borg, which when confronted with the possibility of a Borg drone showing individuality and a conscious, Picard angrily yells, It's not a person, damn it, it's a Borg! Picard's trauma and hatred of the Borg had to be confronted, explored, and resolved. And to tie this necessary moment of character growth to the larger plot of the Enterprise saving the Star Trek future helped to give this film a much-needed weight and reference. Of all the attempts to recapture the lightning in the bottle that was Wrath of Khan, this was the most successful. Although personally, I prefer this over Wrath of Khan. Going back to the aforementioned scene, it was a deliberate choice by them to call back to Wrath of Khan with Picard quoting Moby Dick. What makes this not be an eye-rolling moment is the context being completely different. When Khan quotes Moby Dick, it's intellectual posturing. It's his ego and madness at a boiling point. Whereas Picard quoting Moby Dick is self-realization and reflection. It's him realizing that he has gone too far in his quest for vengeance and that it could doom the human race just as it's about to take its first step into the future. It's a pivotal moment in the life of Jean-Luc Picard. And it's a moment that elevates first contact from being just zombies in space to the best of the four TNG films. And that's it for the TNG era. Join me tomorrow when we move over to Deep Space Nine and discuss my favorite episode of not only DS9, but the entirety of all of Star Trek. Live long and prosper, and also, live well.